0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Perkei Avot is something that everyone studies, everyone likes to study. There are many, many different uh, ideas uh, involved in the study of Perkei Avot. They call it in English, Ethics of the Fathers. And the first question really we have to answer is, why is it called Perkei Avot? Why is, it, uh, why is it Avot? This, we're talking about, about midot of character. It should have been uh, purke midot, not perke avot. Why is it called avot? So there's a very, very fen- fundamental answer to this question, which is that all of the, you know, if you go to uh, the local bookstore and you take out a book on self help, you find a lot of advice. All that advice, that's very good advice. But that advice is from the what I would call from the bottom up. It's not from the top to the bottom. The words that we have from Chazal, from our Chachamim, they didn't, in the words of uh, the Bartanura, in the beginning of Lobadu Avot, they didn't just take it out of their hearts these words it was really from from Shemaim, from sinai from hakadosh baruchu torah is me sinai torah is from hakadosh baruchu so all these words of advice even though different chachamim are telling us different pieces of advice but it's all coming from the torah which ultimately comes from hakadosh baruchu so that's what we're saying uh, in this Mishnah, we call it perkei avot avot because each each child got it from his father from his father from his father all the way going back to matan torah which is ultimately from Moshe Rabbeinu and from Akadosh Hu. Oh. Okay, that was the introduction to uh, Perkeavot. And also, another word of introduction: the Gaon Mivilna says in his Sefer Even Shlema, he has one line over there which I always like to remember. And he says that, Kol hu tikun, tikun hamidot. The whole point of this world is tikun hamidot, to perfect our midot, our characteristics, our traits. Lav, lam and if it's not for that, what was the point for me to come into this world? That's what the Gaon Revilna says. So what we're trying to do through our study, uh, through our journey through Pirkei Avot, is trying to understand, to, trying to glean uh, ways of how to perfect our midot to become better people. lama If not for this, then what's the point of life? The first Mishnah starts like this Moshe Kibel Torah umisarali Yoshua. Mi Yoshua Lizakenim So Moshe accepted the Torah, he got it from Sinai, from Sinai, and he gave it over to Yoshua and Yoshua gave it over to the elders, to the zekenim zekenim lenevim. they gave it to the prophets in other words, before the period of the prophets, there were something called Zekenim, the elders. They gave it over to the prophets, and the prophets uh, gave it over to the Anshei Knesset Agadola, to the high court. They said three things: a person should be some translated as patient or deliberate in judgment. And a person should have a lot of students. And also, we should make fences around the Torah to protect the Torah. So let's take the first Mishnah is really jam-packed. They're all jam-packed, but every word you can you can speak for at least a half an hour on every single word. But we'll try to hold it to a minimum. Moshe Why does it say Moshe? The first word of Perki Avot is Moshe. What's Why Moshe? You know, we talk about the ethics of our father. Well, why Moshe? Okay, that's true. Everything starts from Moshe. That is true. Moshe, the, Tom, the Torah tells us in at the end of Parsha Ba'alotcha, we just read it, Moshe, anav mikol ha'adam. Moshe was the most humble man to ever live, this planet, to walk the face of this planet. So therefore, he is the best teacher for us to learn about Midot, about how to be Mitaken, how to fix our, our character traits. That's one reason. There's another interesting reason brought down by the Zohar HaChadash. This says a very interesting reason. He says the word, the name Moshe, is Mem Shin Hey. What does that stand for? We know that Moshe Rabbeinu, the Talmud tells us, the Midrashim tell us, that Moshe Rabbeinu uh, had difficulty with three three areas. Three areas. Hashem told him to build the menorah. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, how? I don't know. I, I, I want to build the menorah. I mean... And all the mufarshim what exactly did he not understand? But there was something that Moshe was nit kashe. He didn't understand something about the building of the menorah. So Hashem had to show him exactly how to build a menorah. So he was he didn't he had a challenge when it came to the menorah. Also, when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu about different shratzim, different types of animals that might not might be impure, Moshe Rabbeinu had a question about that. When it comes to the moon. And the and the sun and the constellation, in Parshat Bo, it says, "Hachodesh lachem rosh chodeshim." In terms of uh, interpreting and, and figuring out the calendar, Moshe also had a difficulty over there. So these three areas: the Mem stands of Moshe stands for the Menorah, the Shin stands for shratzin, and the he stands for Hachodesh hazeh lachem rosh chodeshim. So who cares? The point is that Moshe is His essence, his name is built from challenges which means that we in life everyone has challenges everyone has their own set of predicaments everyone has their own circumstances we each have our own challenges in life and we have to make the best of those challenges we have to figure out how to navigate life how to figure out how to how to navigate through that challenge to to make the best of it the point is not necessarily the the winning so to speak, in the challenge, but really the, the, the challenge, the, the point, is going through the challenge. And we see that also in the name Yisrael. We know the famous story that Yaakov had this, this, uh, this wrestling match with this strange person, this Ish, and we find out from the Mishra, Midrashim that that was the Saro Shel Esav, it was the angel of, that represented Esav. And the Torah says that where is the name Yisrael come from? His name was originally Yaakov and then we switched it to Yisrael. Kisarita Imelokimva Anashim Vatuchal because you were able to struggle with with man and angel and you prevailed. So old Mepharshim asked, his name, Yaakov's name should have been this tra- changed instead of Yisrael, Sarita imelokim, that you contend with with men and angels and you prevail. His name shouldn't have been S- sarita, Israel, but rather his, his name should have been Tuchal, right? Instead of uh, Yaakov changed to Israel, his name should have been Tuchal, that you prevailed. Why isn't his name prevailed? The answer is because more important than prevailing is dealing with the challenge itself. Kisarita, Sarita, imalokim. Sarita represents the challenge. So that's the common denominator between Israel and Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's what we're supposed to take out of Perkei Avot, that tikkun hamidot, to perfect our, our characteristics shades is not really so easy. It's something that's a lifelong battle, but the battle itself is significant. The challenge is, is significant. And we have to try to do our best to prevail, but prevailing is not necessarily the most important. It's defacing the, the challenge which is important. That's what we see from the name uh, Moshe. Perhaps that's another reason why we start Perke Avot with the name Moshe. The next word in the first Mishnah is Moshe Kibel, that Moshe accepted. He was able to receive. We have to be open to be able to receive a transmission. Many times in life uh, we get used to a certain way of life and we're not open to new ideas. Uh, we have to be open, we have to be able to, to, to consciously open up our minds and our hearts to new Torah ideas, to understand, to try to improve, and not get stuck in our old old ways. That's Kibel, that Moshe was the ultimate mikabel, the ultimate receiver of the Torah, because he says, What am I? I'm nothing. I I, I can only gain from hearing from Hashem. Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai. Now by the way, Torah, the word Torah, we're not just these are not this is not a book of laws, Avod. It's not teaching us how to how to uh, keep Shabbat, and how to uh, give tzedakah, or how to do... It's not te- teaching us the nitty-gritties. It's teaching us about about the ethics, but that co- comes from the Torah. Even though when you read the Torah, you don't find it clearly, but everything comes, it's all derived. Everything in Pirkei Avod is ultimately somehow derived from the Torah itself. Moshe Kibel Torah, Misinai. Sinai. Why Sinai? We should say Moshe Kibel Torah from Hashem. Why, why does it say Mi Sinai? So one hint is again the the famous midrash about the mountains, the different mountains. Hashem didn't give it, didn't give the Torah on the Alps or on Mount Everest. It was on Mount Sinai, which wasn't such wasn't the highest mountain. To tell us that the Torah and the perfection of vido doesn't go to the one that's the tallest, but rather just like water goes to the lowest place, to when a, when a person has humility and. And uh, anava, so that's the person that can receive the Torah. He can be a receiver, a true receiver of the Torah. And he's the person that's able to, to be open, to be mitakein, to fix our, our midot. Rabbi Yosef Karo was the author of the Shulchan Aruch. Now at the time of the, of the Shulchan Aruch that was written, the time that uh, Rabbi Yosef Karo wrote the Shulchan Aruch, he wrote something else called the Beit Yosef. That was the like the encyclopedia. And then he, he uh, changed it into, he, he simplified it. The abridged version is what we have, the Shulchan Aruch. At that time, the Shema Gedolim, the, the Chida, says that there were three people that in that generation, in the generation of Rav Yo, Yosef Karo, who had the name Yosef, and were able to write the Shulchan Aruch. There were three people. But Rav Yosef Karo, the Mechaber of the Shulchan Aruch, He's the one that merited to write it. Why? Asks the Chida, famous Sephardic rabbi. He says because of the Midah, the attribute of humility of Rav Yosef Karo. That's why he was Zoha, that's why he merited to write the Shulchan Aruch. There are other Svarim also, the Primagadim, <coughs> and also uh, many other Svarim, the Nesivas HaMishpat, that many people say that the reason that their <coughs> works gained such publicity is because of their attribute of humility. So the Mishnah continues. There was a progression, lead, started from Moshe to Yoshua to the Zakanim to the Nevi'im, finally to the High Court, and they said three things. Now, sometimes we might think that to be careful and to be patient in judgment is something that might apply only in a court of law when you have a judge and he has to deliberate so he has to be careful not to rush to a to a quick decision but the truth is that it applies to each and every one of us in our daily life we always have to be careful we have to be well thought out and to think before we speak to think before we render a decision before we make a judgment we have to we have to think about the whole situation havumitunim bedin especially parents dealing with children, little children. Sometimes one comes over and, and is upset at their brother or sister, and if we just hear one part of the story, we don't get the full picture. We have to, uh, he- we have to hear out the whole story. We have to be patient to understand the full uh, circumstances. We mentioned before the sherets, which is an, a ritually impure uh, type of creature. Sherets. the word sherets stands for sherats. Sheratz. Rats means to run. Sometimes it's not good to run. If we run, so then a person can fall. A couple of weeks ago, about two months ago, I was running, and I fell and I twisted my ankle. So it's not always good to run. However, the Talmud does tell us in Masechet Shabbat that when you're running to do a mitzvah, it is good to, to run to do a mitzvah. Mitzvah habaliyadcha al tach mitzena. When a mitzvah comes to your hand, don't don't let it uh, don't let it turn into chametz. Don't let it uh, ferment. Do it right away. you got to jump to do a mitzvah. But there's still you still have to be careful. If you're going to run, you got to be careful. <clears throat> I learned my lesson the hard way. The Zohar Chadash also says about the name Noach. Noach, what is Noach? Noach is from the root word of Minucha, of rest, or patience. Noach had a lot of patience dealing with his generation. I mean, we have to learn from Noach to be to be b'menuchah. We have to have menuchat nefesh, a person needs to be cool, calm, and, and collected. We have to be, uh, even if sometimes there's a, 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 a tricky situation or a situation where we, that we think that we need to react right away, sometimes it's good to say, wait a second, I need to think about this, And in order to be able to, to think properly, to, to render the right decision. There's a story about a, pers- a prospective father-in-law. He was looking for uh, a nice boy for his for his daughter. And he went to the yeshiva to find a, a nice student. And he was looking at the Beit Midrash. And he comes over to the Rosh Yeshiva and he says, I want to see, I wanna see the, the dormitory. I want to see the rooms. And he looked for a room where everything was nice and neat. And he says, this is the room that I'm going to get my chatan from because it's all neat. This person is someone who's nice and organized. That's the p- type of person that that, uh, that he needs. Okay, sometimes you can tell about the way the person keeps their house and their bedroom about the type of person they are. I'm not saying that, you know, if you have a messy bedroom, but if you have a nice, neat bedroom or house, so then that does say something a little bit about your, uh, your nature. The last thing in this Mishnah... The second-to-last thing in this Mishnah, you've got to have a lot of students. Why do you have to have a lot of students? Because you never know. Sometimes you're in a teacher in a class, and there's, there's uh, three students that are the elite, and then there's another three students that are only on the bottom, and there's some students in the middle. You can't only focus to the elite. You don't know what's going to happen. The, sometimes the, it's the it's the ones that are on the lower end that are really the hard workers. The ones that are elite, you know, they never study, they don't have to study, everything comes easy. But the ones that are the hard workers, sometimes they're going the, to be the ones to really uh, prevail. It's like sometimes you go jogging and uh, let's say you have three people jogging and one is really all fired up at the beginning, is running really fast and and uh, the one all the way at the end is going slowly but they are maintaining their pace, and they keep on chugging along. And the one that's the the one that's uh, at the end, the one that's uh, coming along at the slow pace, but steady, that's the one that really finishes. The one that goes fast, he burns himself out in the in the beginning. So you never know. You have to have a lot of students, and you have to have a lot of patience. And Bezat Hashem, one of them is going to be the next uh, future teacher of, of Am Yisrael. Then it says, "Asu la Torah. You got to ha- make fences around the Torah. Now, this is something that a lot of people have problems with. You know, we have enough rules from the Torah. Why do we? Why did the rabbis have to add on all these extra fences, all these extra rules? So, I want to tell you a story, a story from Rabbi Abraham Tursky, and he says like this: that there was once upon a time there was a person, it's a mashal, a person went into a bookstore, a Jewish bookstore, and the person wasn't, the, the, this man wasn't exactly the smartest scholar. But he comes into the store and he says, I want a, a sidur. So the, per, the storekeeper knows that this person is not, you know, he's not the, the biggest scholar. He says, okay, he takes out the, uh, you know, the a simple sidur and puts it in front of him. So he says, no, no, I, I don't want this one. I, I need something with a little bit more. takes out another one. And he says, no, oh, no, this is not good enough. And he keeps on taking out bigger and more elaborate sidurim. Finally takes out this really big one, very heavy, with a lot of different pages, many different commentaries, Kabbalistic, Halach, all, all different. And he says, this is the one I want. And the storekeeper, he can't uh, he can't hold back. He says, well, are you really going to read all these Kabbalistic interpretations of the, of the sidur? Why do you want this? He says, no, 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 no. I'll tell you the story. You see, like this. At home, I have my, my little boy. My little boy, he's two years old. And every time I start praying, he comes over and he takes my sitter and he rips the pages out. So over here, I've got this big sidur, and there's so much commentary that before you get to the word Adon Olam in the beginning, there's by 50, 50 pages. So he'll never reach Adon Olam. Because he, even if he out, rips out 50, he's not going to get to Adon Olam. So, what's the point of this story? in order to protect the Adon HaOlam, in order to protect HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Torah, sometimes there need to be fences in the beginning. You need to have all the 50 pages in advance, the fine print, in order to be able to protect the Adon Olam. That was the story from Rabbi Abraham Tersky. And But the truth is that these fences are not random. The fences, Chazal had a lot of wisdom and the 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 dinim, the laws that they put into effect, a lot of times have deeper deeper meanings. So we can't dismiss the dinay the rabbanan, and the, the words of the rabbis. We can't be so quick to dismiss them um, unless we're a little two-year-old kid that likes ripping out pages. Okay. okay. Next mission Yes? I just saw so the fence. It's a literal thing. Uh, I mean, the fence of this, I think of Torah's in America, and out. You can't just... Right, no, I, it doesn't mean that there should be a gate. It means that, that uh, figuratively we have to protect. Right, I'll just give you an example, like mukseh The fact that something is mukseh on Shabbat, that's, a, that's a, a rabbinic law, in order to protect that we shouldn't come to transgress the biblical laws. That's one example. But there are many, many examples. Okay, let's do to Mishnah, Mishnah Bet. Shimon Tzadik, is the first rabbi that we're discussing. He was from the people that uh, that were at the end of the period of the Anshei Knesset He was actually the, the last one, because it says that he was Mishiyare, from the remainders of the, from the remaining rabbis of the Sanhedrin. who Omer, so he used to say, and a lot of times you're going to find this phrase in Perki Hu Huaya Omer, he used to say, this was... This was their motto so to speak in life. So he was telling us three things. Al Al Torah, the Torah stands on the the world stands on the Torah, al the service in the Beit HaMikdash The service, the avoda is referring to in our days it's referring to prayer. So we need Torah, we need prayer, but we also need Gimilut chasadim. The first two Famous story about the Ravid Shavar Rebbe. The Ravid Shavar Rebbe, once, I, I like to say this story many times. This is my one of my uh, mottos. Uh, the Ravid Shavar Rebbe, once on Yom Kippur, he finished davening shacharit very early. The Shavar Esrei, you know, everyone takes a long time on Yom Kippur, but he finished rather quickly. And one of the students, after they finished, they said, they said, Rabbi, how come you know it's Yom Kippur, it's a day of prayer, why did you finish so quickly? So he says, "Listen." And the rugged shaver, after he started, after he finished, he started after he finished his prayer. He opened up one of his books to study. He says, "Listen. When I pray, that means that I'm talking to God. And when I learn Torah, Hashem is talking to me. So rather than me doing all the talking, I want to hear the words of of wisdom from Hashem. I'd rather Hashem do the talking to me. I want to hear from Hashem. I don't want to be do, doing all the talking. Sometimes you have people talking on a phone." And you call someone and you're trying to, to ask a question and they keep on going and talking and talking and you can't get in. So we don't want to be like that with Hashem that we're talking and talking and talking and we don't let Hashem in. Of course, prayer is very, very, very important. We're not gonna I don't wanna de emphasize. The Talmud says that prayer is Dvarim Prayer is something that's held at the heights of, of heaven, it's something that's very, very important. But we need two things for a relationship. When you're talking on the phone to your friend, you have to talk to them and they have to talk to you. So we need both aspects. We need the prayer and we need the Torah in order to have a solid relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But Shemura Tzadik says that that's not enough to have a relationship with Akadosh Baruch Hu. We talk to him and he talks to us. That's not enough. In order to be an Adam HaShalem, to be a complete person, we have to be we have to be round, well rounded, and that means it's not only between Adam Makom between us and Hashem, but also it's between Adam l'Chaver. And therefore, we need the third aspect that Shimon HaTzadik says, which is Gmilut Chasadim. So we have to also uh, engage in acts of kindness with our friends. That's the true Adam HaShalem, the complete person. Mishnah number three: Antignos is socho kivel mishnah atzadek. He accepted. He was a student of Shimonat atzadek. Oyaomer al you kavadim hamisham mishmetarav aminat the kavul pras. Don't be like like servants that serve their master in order to get the reward. That's not how we should be. Ella hevu kavadim hamisham mishmetarav shelo aminat the pras. But rather, we should serve Hashem without the reward in mind. We shouldn't have the reward the reward in mind. And then the Mishnah ends off, We have to have Yirat Shamaim. Well, let's go back to the first part. What does that mean? When we serve Hashem, why do we serve Hashem? We serve Hashem because Hashem you know, Hashem told us to do, therefore we do. But there is a reward. If you look at the beginning of the Mesilat Yisharim, written by Ramosha Moshe Chaim Zato, you see that the whole point of, our, of this world is that we can come closer to, to Hashem, dveikut Ba Hashem. There is, there is an ultimate reward in this world, also in the world to come. Uh, in, I should say the opposite, in the world to come and also in this world. There's a the reward, but what's the reward? The reward is closeness to Hashem. So when we do everything that Hashem says, we're doing it in order to come closer. We want to become more like Hashem, more domela Hashem. We want to try to become as close to Hashem as possible. What is the word mitzvot? We have tarya with 613 mitzvot. Sometimes we translate the word mitzvot as commandments. And sometimes it's a little bit hard to deal with that word commandments. We're commanded to do this, we're commanded to do that. But if we look at it with a, a different, we choose a different interpretation of the word mitzvot, which is like the Nesiva Shalom, the Solomon Rabbi says, mitzvot is from the language of Tzavta, not savta grandmother, but savta with a Tzadi. Tzavta means like a companion. These are ways to to become a companion, so to speak, with Hashem. There's 613 ways that we can come closer to Hashem. It's not that we're commanded to do this, commanded to do that. Hashem, for our own good, He gives us these 613 paths so we can come closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So when we serve Hashem, we're not, we don't really have the ultimate reward in mind, but we're serving because Hashem said it, Hashem said to do it, that's why we're doing it. The reward will come memela, will come by itself. It definitely will come. And there are stories, I'm not going to say the stories right now, but there are stories where certain people said, I'll serve Hashem even without the reward, without and there's not going to be any reward, but that's, those, are, those stories are impossible. Every time a person does a mitzvah, there's automatically, there is going to be a reward. The reward is automatic, it's going to be there. It's just that when we serve Hashem, we don't have that that in mind. There's more to say, but let's leave it at that. The end of the Mishnah says, That we have to have the fear or the awe of Hashem upon us. The first part of the Mishnah seems to be talking about Ahavat Hashem, that we serving Hashem not for for the reward, but just out of of love of Hashem. We serve Hashem because we love Hashem. And the the second part of the Mitzvah says this aspect of of Yirat Shamayim, which is Oah. There always has to be a balance of Ahava and yirah. There has to be, as we call it, love and respect. And this is not only true with respect to, no pun intended, to Hashem, but also with respect to, to human beings. That when we have friends and we have... And we have uh, children and parents and grandparents and spouses. We have to have both love and respect. It can't be just love alone because then we'll get too close to each other. We'll step on each other's, we'll step into each other's uh, private domains. right? Everyone needs their own space. We'll enter into their space. There has to be there's love and there's also respect. The respect is like the awe. And that keeps there's distance, but there's closeness together. There has to be a balance. Between love and respect, closeness and and distance. Every person needs their own dalit amot, their own four cubits. Okay. Yosi ben Yo'ezer, fourth mishnah. Ish ben Yochanan Ishu Shalaim kiblu mehem. Yosi ben Yo'ezer Ish He said, Our houses should be places where Talmidei Chachamim are able to gather if they need to have a meeting. Let them have it in our house. Ve'hevei mit'abek b'afarag And we should, we should desire, we should be walking in the dust of their feet. That means that we should be walking very closely behind them. shota And we should drink with thirst their words. Our houses have to be open to Talmudiyach And it has to be that we thirst to drink their words. And it has to be that we are... With, that we always follow them. In order for our children to grow up as, as good good Jews in our house, we have to respect Tamidei Chachamim. You know, it says in the Talmud, If a person respects the, the, the teachers, so then they'll have students, they'll have children who are also Tamidei Chachamim. They respect and revere the Torah. Whatever happens at our tables, the conversations that we have at our tables, that influences how our children think about everything. Children are very perceptive. Percept- and it's not only by our, our talk, it's, it's also by our walk and the way we act, the things that we do. Whatever is chashu, whatever is important to us, is automatically going to be important to our children. If a, one of the parents likes avocado salad, then it could be that the children are going to like avocado salad. If the parents like chocolate, so then it could be that the children children will like like chocolate. So the things that we do, children are curious and they pick up on nuances and all different things. It's not only the verbal expressions, it's the nonverbal expressions that filter down to them and and they learn from. So we have to be very careful. We have to in order to educate our children, we have to educate ourselves first. We have to build ourselves up to respect and to appreciate and if we, if we do that then our children also are going to follow in, uh, in a very good path. I think in the next Mishnah I only left three minutes for because it's a dangerous Mishnah I could get myself into a lot of trouble but we'll say it anyway. I'll tell you like life like has to be exciting. Mishnah number, number of, hey. This is the easy part. Your house has to be open to people. That means that in your house, you should, your house should be a house of chesed. You should invite poor people even to come to your house. It says, uh, one, of them, one of the rabbis said, I think I mentioned it uh, in the past couple of weeks, that when a person makes a wedding, and you have, and you invite people, and you make the the, the wedding tables, the invitations. You, you're setting up the tables where people are going to sit. Don't make a table that's only for the rich people and a table that's for the poor people. Put everyone together, the rich people with the poor people. Your house should be a Beit V'ad. It should be a it should be a gathering place also for the for the poor people. A person should give the proper respect to the poor people. Okay, this is the dangerous uh, part. The altar be im haisha. A person shouldn't be too too much talking to the women they said about the wife my wife is here and for sure for your your friend's wife I'm going to explain in a second we'll see what I can do if a person is going to be too much into the talking with the women so then it's not going to be good for him it will not end well he'll be uh, he'll not, he won't be able to learn Torah, and and he will uh, inherit Gehenem. Okay, now this Mishnah is very, very, very harsh, very strict, uh, but we have to know that we have to balance things out. You know, Hashem himself, God told Abraham, kol asher tomar lecha sarah, shema bekola. Everything that Sarah says, you got to listen to her voice. And the Talmud in many, many places that s- says that you have to respect... Your wife, and you have even more than yourself. Talmud, Masechet It says, "Ishdecha The Talmud says in Aramaic, "If your wife is short, bend down and listen to her." That means you have to you have to come down, get off off of your high horse, and and come down and, and listen to what your wife needs to say. Many times, we know that the isha is the akherat the woman is the anchor. Of the, of the house it's it's not that's Pashut that's, that's simple to understand everyone knows that how many times the Emunah and the Bidachon the proper faith in Hashem really comes from the tone that the mother sets in the house and and a person for sure there's no question that you have to have a solid good relationship and that relationship is built on talking it's just that the men have to be careful that we shouldn't be talking too much to, to other women because there's such a thing as a yet an evil inclination, and uh, that can lead to, to different things. But we have to be we have to we have to know we have to know that that, that women are the karatabites, they're the anchors of the house, they set the tone and and uh, the men, if you leave a, a man in the house for a couple of days by himself. I don't know. The house is going to be, it's not going to be a neat place. It's not going to be, it's going to be topsy turvy. Everyone knows that. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a chidush. So this is, uh, this is, this Mishnah is really saying that we have to be careful. It's just a, a warning, really, to the men. The men have to be careful and uh, we have to understand, we have to appreciate and respect the women for who they are and just be careful. That's all that uh, that, uh, the Mishnah is saying. Okay, I think we're one Mishnah short of uh, uh, finishing our quarter for today, but I think we're out of time. Chazak Baruch.